0: It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service on February thirteenth, two thousand eleven, in downtown Covington. Today we continue our study in the Book of Philippians. We come to part five on Philippians one fifteen through eighteen title to this message is, But What Does It Matter? Just a note here as well, um, before we go to the message, normally we have reading and reflections uh, based on what we've been studying that I post on the website Monday through Friday. Uh, I'm going to not be able to do that for the next two weeks because I'm going to be out of town some so we will return to that when I get back so if you're looking for those just hang tight they'll be back in a few weeks all right well let's head to the talk thanks for listening anyway
1: last week we talked about the kind of the text that we were looking at rather dramatically was where Paul was talking about even though he was in prison even though the Romans kind of thought that they were putting an end to what he was doing. Actually, the opposite was happening. Actually, the, the gospel was, was going forth. There was actual members of the elite imperial guard of Rome that were actually becoming Christians now. And the gospel, those in, in Rome who were Christians, were, were getting strengthened in their faith now because of everything that was going on with Paul. So now we kind of turn to a different type of situation. Paul ends the scriptures we talked about last week by saying people... Some people are getting inspired by what he's doing, and they're proclaiming the gospel. Now he goes on to elaborate on that. Philippians 1, 15 through 18, our text today. Paul says, It's true that some some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing... That they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. You know, one of the biggest challenges we have in studying the scriptures is how do you bridge the gap between Rome, the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago, and modern day America? Paul is talking about people who are preaching Christ out of a wrong motivation. And I know this is going to be really hard to get your mind around because we never see this kind of stuff in our day, do we? <laughs> you know, Paul uh, Paul says that, that what is happening to him in prison, it's inspiring people to start sharing the gospel. But some of them are not sharing the gospel out of a good motivation. They, they have insincere motives. So I want to kind of look at a few of the, the different groups that, that um, Bible scholars say that, that Paul was probably referring to. First of all is the competitive Christians. Now, competitive Christians, back in Paul's day, he writes to 1 Corinthians, he uh, writes the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, in his letter to the Corinthian church he says, I get reports that, among you guys, there's, there's starting to be divisions because you got some people saying, oh, I follow Paul. Paul has the corner of the market on truth, and other people are saying, Paul, get real. We're in Peter's club because Peter, man, I mean, Peter was with Jesus. He spent three years, He walked on water. He's the rock. And so they're saying, we're with Peter, and we're better than you people with Paul. And then, then some of them are like, you guys are just both. You, you, you're so, like, you know... 33 BC, 33 AD. <laughs> We're with Apollos, this new Greek evangelist who is going around. And Paul says, he writes to the Corinthians, he says, You guys are, you're missing the point. Is, is Christ, is, is the body of Christ divided? Is it about being in little clubs and who's right and who's wrong, pointing your fingers at others? And, and Paul's like, Get rid of that stuff. That is working against the purposes of God. The second was the second possibility in these scriptures is that it's, it's some Christians who are in it for personal gain. Now, we see this in, in our our day and age, don't we? Uh, there was a... Anytime an election comes up, we see that Christianity is going to be brought up, don't we? I mean, if there's a presidential election, since America has been kind of founded on Judeo-Christian values, all the, that, that's a question about Jesus is going to pop up at some point. So in the last presidential election I, I know uh what was it what was the pastor out there saddleback church rick warren had uh, uh, hosted had obama over and john mccain and they ask him questions at some point about jesus and and everybody every politician in america they know the right answer to that question oh i believe in jesus right And whether it's a presidential candidate or a local politician or whatever, we hear people all the time bringing Jesus into it. They may even try to quote Jesus. But have you ever just kind of sometimes think, it seems a little insincere, like these people are just pandering to the masses. They just know the right answer and they're saying it so they can get more votes. Well, there were likely people in that kind of camp in in Paul's day, you know, 10 years ago. One of my, I knew a lady who was a a missionary in Kenya, and she comes back from Kenya and she's she's really discouraged. She said, "You know, things were going good until they started broadcasting Christian television into Kenya." And she said, now the prosperity gospel is catching fire in Africa right now. And she said, my pastor, the church she went to in Nairobi, he, he went from being just a normal, sincere follower of Jesus to all of a sudden he would get up every week and he would beat the congregation up because how come I don't drive a Mercedes like the pastor down the road? And she said it was just, it was sad. She actually showed me a a. An article from the Nairobi newspaper, it said, the most lucrative job in Kenya was being a pastor. <laughs> and that, that, that just kind of, it, it's twisting things around. And, and, and so people were mixing this idea of just following Jesus for personal gain. Like, it's, I want to get rich. I want to I get famous. The other, the other possibility here is that, that Paul was actually referring to pagan Romans who were kind of mocking him. Back to the last presidential uh, campaign. I I don't know where any of y'all stand on uh, Sarah Palin, but I got to say, you, you can't argue with Tina Fey's impression of her. I mean, she hit it. I mean, there was times where I was watching Tina Fey thinking I was watching, I mean, Sarah Palin. And that caused Sarah Palin a lot of trouble because there were was, was people who actually thought some of the quotes that Tina Fey did when she was, you know, acting like Sarah Palin were actually Sarah Palin quotes. And, uh, uh, but, you know, I never got the impression that Tina Fey was actually, like, a big fan of Sarah Palin, right? <laughs> she, didn't, she wasn't, like, hitting the campaign trail for her. She was mocking her, right? She was taking Sarah Palin's message uh you know bridge to nowhere all that stuff and she was she was kind of twisting it and and doing the whole saturday night live treatment and it was funny but she was mocking her right well that was going on with paul there were some pagan romans they weren 't really Christians, but they were talking about Jesus. They were making fun of paul 's message. They were like, "Hey, did you hear about this new king <laughs> that paul 's talking about this this king who was crucified and rose from the grave? Oh yeah, we, we probably ought to follow him and, and you know they 're just they 're just making a mockery of paul 's ministry. But the interesting thing here and the thing that I hate about Paul honestly. I wish I wish this kind of stuff wasn't in the Bible. <laughs> Is that Paul where does Paul end up in all this? Does he say does he go on a rant about these people? No, he just says, "Eh, what does it matter?" What? He's like, "But what does it matter?" Cuz whether they're doing it out of sincere motives or false motives, hey, they're talking about Jesus. They're, they're, the conversation about Jesus as the new king, the king of all, that that's getting out there. People are discussing Jesus at their water cooler. Yeah, some people may be mocking him or whatever, but they're talking about Jesus. Ah, that that just gets on my nerves. Because I tell you, I I can't. I, there's a lot of stuff on on Christian TV. I just I can't watch much of because it gets me in such a funky place, and I'm like. I could easily be the pastor who just rails against all kind of stuff all the time. And, you know, I've got plenty of that in my heart. <laughs> I'm, con- I'm confessing things here. <laughs> um, but Paul says, hey, what does it matter? See, what Paul is saying is actually... It's not that different from what we see Jesus dealing with in his own ministry. I want to look at Luke, a couple of passages from Luke, Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verse 46 starts out with this. An argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest that that's just understand the context of everything that's kind of how Luke puts all this stuff together first it starts out with an argument oh i'm the best says john because jesus really loves me and peter's like ever walked on water i didn't think so and you know so they're all vying for position and jesus he says knowing their thoughts he took a little child and had him stand beside him and then he said Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you all who is the greatest. So Jesus, this is the context for what we're going to see here in a second. He's like, you guys got it all backwards. This child is greater than any of you guys. (laughs) Matter of fact, you're acting more childish than this child. John says, Master, we saw someone driving out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he's not one of us. So Jesus says, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. So we see this kind of club mentality, this cliquish thing going on with the disciples. And there's, they're jockeying for position. And then after Jesus deals with that jockeying for position thing, then Paul says, oh, by the way, I saw someone out there trying to do the stuff that we do, cast demons out of people and free people. I shut them down, Jesus. Don't worry. <laughs> and Jesus is like, Dude. You got people out there trying to, to free people. That's okay. They're on our side. Yeah, but they're not in our club. They're not, in, they're not a part of the 12. And Jesus says, dude, you're missing the point. If they're not against us, they're with us. Then what we see in verse 51... It says, as the time approached for for him to be taken to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Now, a little background there, Samaritans and Jews did not get along at all, and the Samaritans here kind of feel slighted a bit because Jesus is not, the Samaritan village is not his destination. He's on his way to Jerusalem. So they're like, well... If that's what you're doing, then we don't want to have anything to do for you. Now, notice this part. <laughs> when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? <laughs> and Jesus turned to them and said, tur- turn to them and rebuke them. You guys, you really? Like, call down fire and wipe out the whole, burn them up? Just because they didn't offer us hospitality. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad these kind of stories are in the Bible. This, this jockeying for position, this being cliquish, uh, wanting to see harm on groups of people that don't welcome us because, dude, that's me. I can identify that. I've seen that in my own life over and over. It, it, it's, it just rears up its ugly head a lot. <laughs> But Jesus rebukes them. Dude, you guys, you aren't you aren't in the Spirit of God right now. You're, you're just doing normal, everyday, natural, just the way you feel. So Jesus was dealing with the same kind of mentality. You know, there's there's some people who are doing the same things, there's some people who are opposing them, and Jesus is like, let's not get dragged into that. And see, I think that's part of what Paul is getting at here, and what Jesus was getting at. If if you get into that mode, if you pick up the sword, if you respond with curses when you're cursed, if you respond with insults when you're insulted, then you begin losing your salt, your light. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, he said, you are the salt of the earth. You're what brings out the God flavors in the world. You're the light of the world, a city on a hill that can't be hidden. Don't hide your light underneath a bed but but let it give light to the whole room let people see your good works they said salt that's lost its flavor it's good for nothing and i think that that's what happens when we when we are mocked when we're insulted for our faith and then we respond by boycotting people by maligning them by writing blogs about them whatever you know forwarding emails uh, you know uh, doing some kind of culture war against them. It's like, yeah, Jesus didn't do that. Paul didn't do that. Now we see a whole different thing. You know, when I first became a Christian, I remember years ago, I just moved to Louisiana and, and I used to listen to this AM Christian station from, from New Orleans. And uh, if you ever want to get good theology, don't listen to AM Christian radio. <laughs> it's like public access cable. You, it's like anybody who wants to have a show with any kind of, of strange ideas, uh, conspiracies, aliens, whatever. There was all kinds of stuff. And, uh, but there was one guy that used to come on in the evening, and I listened to him for a while. But his whole ministry was really, people would call in with a question, and, and he was all, all he was about was pointing out the faults of other ministries. Oh, well, they're in doctrinal error. Oh, they're, these, they're not doing this right over here. Oh, they're wrong over there. Oh, I don't believe in this. Oh, they missed that. They, they, and that stuff's kind of fun sometimes, isn't it? You know, you kind of like, well, yeah, that feels good. I'm right. They're wrong. But it doesn't bring life. And that's where I kind of found myself getting, just even as an early Christian, I, I, I started feeling like, I kind of like listening to this stuff. I kind of like feeling self-righteous. That feels good. But I don't feel love. I don't see any fruit of God's Spirit growing in my life from this kind of stuff. I believe that's the, the very thing that the Pharisees were facing in the New Testament. They had turned their light inward. They, their salt had ceased to be salty. And they were failing to to live out... to you know, any way where people could taste what God is like. And that's the temptation for us. When we step in, when we're insulted, when we're mocked, when somebody's doing something from false motives, if we get dragged into that and we start acting the same way, guess what? The people in our families, the people in our jobs, they don't taste what God is like. They won't taste what God's like. They'll just taste Cynicism and skepticism. I, I gotta tell you, be careful when you are going through something in your life, be careful who you talk to. I have a dear friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh and, and I talk to him about a lot of stuff, but he's he's real cynical about church, you know? And and real, you know, just kinda and so I gotta watch out, because I can get real cynical about church, even as a pastor. <laughs> And I don't need any help getting cynical. <laughs> I don't need any help being more skeptical and, and judgmental. Man, that stuff comes naturally. I got enough trouble just dealing with it myself. But boy, you, if I get around some friends that are in that, oh, you know, it's like, oh. Be careful because it's so easy to get dragged into that stuff. And that's not the tone we get from Paul. Paul's in prison. His mission seems thwarted. He actually, This prison, he actually spends like two years there. A two-year sentence in a Roman prison. He's got people persecuting him on the outside. Now he's got people mocking him. It's like, boy, he had every opportunity to become the victim, to get cynical and hardened, but he doesn't. And you don't get that tone in what he's writing. You find... He just says, I rejoice because people are finally starting to talk about Jesus. And we're seeing God move. And I think Paul had the confidence that people would be able to judge what was real and what was not. See, as much as I can't stand certain things that are preached in our country in mass, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that I just take issue with. But, you know, i got to have the confidence that people can judge between what's real and what's fake. When God's moving on their heart you know people can see, that, that's not God. That doesn't look like Jesus to me. I want to close with, with a couple of verses here from Romans today. And I mentioned this in the last service, but normally I put up devotionals on, on our website Monday through Friday. If you've been looking for them, they haven't been there this last week because we were moving. But... Um, I'm going out of town this next week too, so they won't be up. But if you want to, if there's a a scripture that you want to read every day for the next few weeks that wouldn't hurt you, um, it's Romans 12, 9 through 21. And that's what I want to kind of end with today. Because I think this gets down to a very practical way of how then should we live. Another letter that Paul wrote here, he says in verse 9, he says, Love must be sincere. Man, if we can just get these verses down, pff, we'll, we'll move on and start a church somewhere else. <laughs> That's, let that be our prayer for this week. When we face temptations to respond in evil, when we face temptations to respond in judgment and cynicism, uh, to get dragged into the mud and gossip, all that stuff, let us respond with goodness. Let's pray. God, we ask your help for that today. Lord, I, 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 just, I find these verses particularly hard to me personally. And we just ask for your grace, Lord, that we would be kept alert to these issues in our heart. And, and in the next week, when we, we have temptations, God, when we face people that are resisting us or mocking us or maligning us in any way, God, that, Lord, we could respond with your goodness. We thank you, Lord, that God, when when we hated everything you stood for, you just loved us. And God, we ask that that we could be the same way to those who, who may resist us in our life and resist your work in their life. So just ask your blessing upon everyone here today that we may overcome evil with your goodness. In Jesus' name,
0: amen.